0: I had prepared this week that uh, I just love the Word of God. I love His presence, but I love His Word. There's so much treasure, so many treasures, depth of wisdom and understanding of not only Him, but how we live in Him. And it's just, uh, just, I've been reading the Word and studying the Word for quite a few years now, six or seven maybe. Uh, since I was in my 20. younger years, no, and I just I just love it. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've revealed yourself to us. Thank you that you also have given us your spirit who leads us into truth. And so we open hearts to you, Holy Spirit, even as you've empowered us to exalt Jesus in our worship, would you empower us to understand and to hear what you're saying to the church and to us personally, in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we were talking about uh, Jesus, the anointed one, gave five expressions of himself, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, to help us become mature. M- mature literally means just more like Him. And so the more we become like Him, we're being transformed into His image. And then we also saw that the Father gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us, and that together we're the anointed in the world. As we become like Jesus, filled with the Spirit, we are the anointed in the world. We need both. And it's important that we understand that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We need to, the earthen vessel to be transformed to, to be like Jesus so that the power... Is release the flow. Just a, a reminder before I get into what else I have to share that anytime we're operating with the Spirit, anytime we're working with the Holy Spirit, there is this spectrum. And the spectrum is the Holy Spirit on one side and us on the other side. Now, the Holy Spirit always works through us, but understanding this spectrum, and so Sometimes as we grow to be more like Jesus and more in tune with the Spirit, we move along the spectrum and more of what we share is the Spirit and less of us. But sometimes it's maybe more of us than the Spirit. Having said that, almost always there's something of the Spirit in there. What happens is that the more of it that is the Spirit and less of us, the more anointed we call it. Because why? It's the fullness of the Spirit being expressed in a vessel that is had been more transformed to be like Jesus. I came, I was raised, as I said, in a fundamental church, but I went to a Pentecostal church and kind of had this idea. Nobody ever taught it, but it was had this idea that it's either the Spirit or it's the devil. But let me tell you, that's not the case. It's the Spirit, and the other end of the spectrum is us. The devil doesn't count at all. We're not fighting against the devil. Occasionally, I've been in uh, services where someone who was actually demonized thought that they should share something, and there was no Holy Spirit in that at all. It was very evident to everyone that that was the devil. It wasn't a bit of flesh and a bit of the Spirit. It was actually just something demonic. And so when we realize that when the Holy Spirit uses us, there's always somewhere on that spectrum and we can't get discouraged if he's using us and it's still a bit of us. you still with me, okay. I'm over here. Turn with me to uh, Luke chapter four. I mentioned this last week and I'm gonna do it again. Verse 18, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus is quoting this at the beginning of his ministry. He's obviously referring to Isaiah 61 but I want you to understand the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Say that to yourself. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. You don't anoint yourself. Someone else doesn't anoint you. God does. As he fills you with his spirit, he's anointed you first To preach the gospel. That's where it starts. I want to say this everything of the anointing begins in that concept. I'm going to come back to that in a second, but first let me say this preaching the gospel doesn't mean standing in front of people and preaching. There's two words in the Greek. Translated preach, it depends on your translation, one is proclaim, but preach literally means to share. If you look with me real quickly to Acts uh, chapter 8, I know I have this in my Bible somewhere. Uh, From verse four, it says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And Philip went down to the sea of Samaria and preached Christ to them. That word, second word preached is not the same word as the first word. The first word is a Greek word that literally means to announce good news. The second word should be translated proclaim. It literally means to herald or, or proclaim. So there's a difference. They went preaching and Philip went preaching. Preaching. They went preaching, just sharing. And Philip was proclaiming. He was what we would normally refer to as preaching. Get it on the soapbox and proclaim and herald. Too often when we hear the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed to preach the gospel, that's what we think of. We think of the Salvation Army and uh, the guys who would stand on soapbox and they proclaimed to the street corners and they'd preach the gospel and we think that's what we have to do. And most of us, Myself included, I'm not really comfortable with that. But what it actually means is just sharing. So let me set you free. First and foremost, you don't have to get up in front of a whole bunch of people and preach. I read somewhere that uh, number one fear that people have is speaking in front of people, public speaking. About almost 90% of people, that's their number one fear. Only about 54% of people, their number one fear is death. So more people are more, about 40% more people are more afraid of speaking in front of people than they are dying. Which makes no sense. (laughs) Why do I say that? Because that's not what this is saying. But we need to understand that the anointing, us becoming like Jesus, filled with the Spirit, begins with a commitment to magnify Jesus. That's what the gospel is all about. Okay, it's not just I'm gonna go tell people, do you know that God loves you and, and Jesus died for you? Yes, that's part of the gospel, but the whole thing is a hard attitude that says I'm gonna exalt Jesus and magnify him. He's the one who is worthy of praise, as we say. He's the one who should be glorified. And then it's a commitment to sharing the gospel just as he did. After Jesus being in the wilderness, the first thing he preached was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. And so there's something that we have to understand that God's using of us, filling us conforming us to the image of Christ and filling us with his spirit to partner with him is for the extension of his kingdom, not for us. There's something that has happened in much of the church and the focus has become on us being happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. So everything exists, the, the whole kingdom of God exists for me. And as long as I'm happy and healthy and, and wealthy, then God's doing a good job. I'm getting stirred up here. These are not on my notes. But the reality is that we exist for him. Jesus is the center of the universe, not us. We exist to magnify him, to exalt him. And that's where this begins. But what I want to focus on this morning is something that... uh, the Sunday school kids, the uh, children's ministry kids have been doing for a while and that is that an extraordinary God uses ordinary people. Which is absolutely amazing. An extraordinary God uses ordinary people. I want to tell you, that's his plan and he prepared for it long before Jesus came he realized that he'd only have ordinary people to use. So he had a plan. He's so, he's so amazing. So much wiser than we are. Let me just throw a couple of scriptures at you. Look at Luke chapter 12. Verse 12, he says, verse 11. And when they bring you to the synagogues and mag- magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer, or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. That's Jesus saying that. How much more just when we talk to other ordinary people? In case you didn't get that, back over in Mark 13. it's verse 11 I want to go to but I can't skip verse 10 because it starts with what I just said and the gospel must be preached to all the nations and when they arrest you and deliver you up do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak for whatever is given to you in that hour speak that for it's not you who speak but the Holy Spirit and one more of these in Luke 21. You can guess what it says, because it says almost the same thing. Verse 21 and verse 15. Uh, Let's start with 14. Therefore settle it in your hearts, not to meditate before on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. How many of you have actually thought about that? God says, I'm actually going to partner with you to advance my kingdom, and when you're challenged, you don't have to worry about it because I will actually tell you what to say. Isn't that amazing? Turn with me to Acts chapter four, and we're going to see an example of this. From verse five. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in their midst, Peter and John, uh, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? This is exactly what we read in Luke. When they bring you before Leaders, rulers, magistrates, educated people, don't worry about it. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders. I think if it were up to me, I probably would have left this part out. <laughs> That's one thing to say, look what Jesus does, then it goes on and gets personal. This is the stone, Jesus, that you rejected. which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Here's Peter, a fisherman, called by Jesus before all the leaders, the educated people. But he was filled with the Holy Spirit The same for you today. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. You're the same. He declares there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. A bold declaration of the gospel. So much that in verse 13... Says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, how many of you feel like that? <laughs> I do most of the time. They marveled and they realized that they'd been with Jesus. We've been with Jesus today, we're filled with the same Holy Spirit. Same today. Then it goes on, and seeing that the the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. you think it would have been smart if they stopped there, but they didn't. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they confirmed among themselves, saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. If you didn't start, stop before, they should have stopped now. But they didn't. But so that it spreads no further among the people, we can't deny that these are uneducated men. We marvel at what the Holy Spirit has said through them. We can't deny that God did something supernatural, but to protect our position, we're going to threaten them. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they may speak to no man in this name. There was something of intimidation. Can't boldly talk about Jesus. Jesus. Let me tell you, it's the very very same today. I realized as I was preparing this week that I thought I'd dealt with most of this and God showed me again that there's something of wanting people's acceptance more than eternity. If I'm afraid to talk boldly about Jesus with someone, I'm more concerned about that person accepting me, that they're not offended by the gospel than I'm concerned about their eternity. There is still an intimidation that is the ploy of the devil to keep us from talking about Jesus. You can talk about God but you can't mention Jesus. You can believe in Jesus, you just can't talk about him. You can be motivated by his life, you just can't talk about him. There's an intimidation. And jumping forward to verse 29, I love it. They pray this, now Lord, look on their threats and send judgment on them. Wait, wait, that's not what it says, huh? That's what I would have said. Look at these guys threatening us. Remove the threat. Kill them. Take them away. Is that what you would have prayed? Change the circumstances around me so that I'm no longer intimidated. No, they said, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Grant to your servants, grant to us boldness that we may speak the gospel. Your word is the gospel. That's what it's referring to. Grant, look on their threats and grant to us boldness that we might speak the gospel. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, by stretching out your hand to heal. Back to Luke 4. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel and he sent me to heal. Let me say this. We're called to preach the gospel, and there's something of God's heart to heal people that goes along with that. But two things we need to understand. One, healing is signs and wonders that confirm the gospel. Mark 16, 20 says, it's up on the board already, isn't it? You guys are wonderful. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word, which is the gospel, through the accompanying signs. We can't separate the miraculous from the preaching of the gospel. If we do, we've lost the very heart of exalting and magnifying Jesus. We become more concerned about the person's comfort than about their eternity. Terrible that you don't feel good. It really is. But when it comes to people's eternity, we can't separate. Are you still with me? So God's strategy was always to use ordinary people. An extraordinary God uses ordinary people How many of us qualify as ordinary? I do. Most of us do. So what does that mean? That means God gives you the opportunity to partner with him, to extend his kingdom, which is actually changing the world. How many of you as kids had a dream, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to change the world? I did. Maybe I'm the only crazy one that thought I could till I realized that nobody actually wanted to listen to my ideas about changing the world. And then I met this wonderful guy who is changing the world. His name is Jesus. And got on board with him. So what does it mean for us? Last week we talked about enlarging breaking off smallness, God wanting to set us free from a small mentality. This week, I think God's heart is boldness, setting us free from intimidation. Now, I'm gonna ask the worship team if they'd come back up. We're gonna spend a little bit of time worshiping again and just open to what the Holy Spirit wants to to say. But I believe God's wanting to break off intimidation. There's something in the world that says don't make people uncomfortable by talking about Jesus. I'm not saying that you have to, every person you meet The first thing you say is, do you know God loves you? But there's something of this anointing of the Spirit with God's heart to reach people. It might be that they are unwell. And you can pray for them to be healed. Which is wonderful. God loves to bring healing. And I think he wants to do that this morning. But don't leave it there. Share why he wants people to be healed so they can be restored to relationship, so that the gospel comes in. We're going to talk in the next few weeks about how with whatever gifting we have, whatever anointing we have, how do we impact the world around us? Now there are some people who are very evangelistic and they're they're excited to go talk to people about Jesus and there's a whole group that goes out on Friday nights which is wonderful. But most of us probably aren't really comfortable with that. But you come into contact with people. You're involved in business, in education, in work. It's not just the people you come in contact with, it's the very business. How do we bring the kingdom the anointing of God into that arena. Too often we think the anointing of God is for Sunday, and the rest of the week I just have to do things in my own strength. I had dinner with Richard and Kathy last night, and they were sharing, Kathy was sharing just briefly about Richard having a problem that he was facing in his business. Uh, traffic management, and he had a situation. He couldn't get it, couldn't figure it out, and he just gave up and prayed, God, show me. You have to, to, I give it to you. And in the middle of the night, he had a dream. And the dream was the absolute answer to fixing that traffic problem. Does God care about the traffic flow in Hobart? Maybe he does. I don't know. But what happens is that we have the anointing of the Spirit in all of our lives, not just on Sunday. And he can bring in, we're, we're connected to one of the guys that a couple of weeks ago we were in Sydney, one of the guys said, we're connected to the mega mind of the universe. God wants to break in where we live. But that begins with one enlargement, breaking off smallness, but it continues with boldness, breaking off intimidation. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He's anointed me. We're gonna worship for a moment. I'm gonna ask you if you'd stand. If that's speaking to you, would you expect the Holy Spirit to break off intimidation? But at the same time, while we're worshiping, there might be something else God wants to do. If God gives you a specific uh, word of knowledge or word of wisdom, come and grab Tim, uh, share it. And let's just take a couple minutes and allow the Holy Spirit. I think there's something of God's heart for healing. Again, God doesn't want us sick. But his touching us and healing us is not just so that we're happy, but it's showing how great he is and what he can do as we impact other people. I believe for some this morning there's something of just the Holy Spirit as a comforter. Jesus said, I will send another helper. That word is translated in one some translations comfort, comforter, some translations friend. And sometimes we don't need to understand, we just need the comfort. We just need the one who comes alongside and comforts us. We, we might have the understanding, but that sometimes our emotions still just need some comfort. We allow the Holy Spirit to do that even as we worship.